0: Welcome to Agency for Change, a podcast from Kid Glove that brings you the stories of changemakers who are actively working to improve our communities. In every episode, we'll meet with people who are making a lasting impact in
1: the places we call home. Hi, everyone. This is Lynn Weinman, president of Kid Glove, and welcome to another episode of the Agency for Change podcast. Now, I'm really excited about today's guest, Patricia Kearns. She is the president and CEO at QLI. Now, this is a world-class rehabilitation center in Omaha, Nebraska, and Pat has been with them for over 20 years, and one could say that she eats, breathes, and sleeps Neuroplasticity, and she's going to tell us a little bit later what that means. So, Pat, I'm excited to talk with you today and learn more about the great impact you're making on QLI and on the world.
0: Thanks, Lynn. It's such a pleasure to be here. Appreciate the time, and it's been so much fun to listen to several of the Agency for Change podcasts. Uh, So many great leaders
1: on there and great people who are making a difference in Omaha. So thank you for having me today. Absolutely. And Pat, you you are certainly part of that club, and that is why I'm excited to talk to you. And actually, we're recording today on your campus in the midst of QLI, so it's great to be here as well. So let's just start with that big word. Since you eat, breathe, and sleep neuroplasticity, I'd love to have you tell us, what is that? My favorite topic. Thanks for starting there. (laughs) So
0: neuroplasticity is very simply the brain's ability to adapt and reorganize or rewire might be a common word you hear, but to, to reorganize or rewire itself based on the demands placed upon it. So We think of neuroplasticity both from a clinical standpoint, given we're serving individuals who have suffered brain trauma or have had a stroke or have suffered a spinal cord injury. We think of neuroplasticity from a recovery standpoint, their brain or spinal cord's injury, spinal cord's ability to to heal itself. Uh, We also think about neuroplasticity, though, as it applies to ourselves or to our team members, our capacity to learn and develop skills and
1: grow as clinicians or as leaders. I think that's so fascinating. I love the study of, I love the study of the brain. And obviously, I don't study it like you do. But how much that wiring in your head really impacts everything you can do, everything you do, and how much you can change it, and how much you can impact other people by your actions and how that impacts their brains. So I think that's all so fascinating. Absolutely. You know, I I think,
0: Probably the same for you as for me. We grew up being led to believe that we were born to be, you name it, an athlete, a musician, a leader. You were either born to be that or you weren't born to be that. And so I think it's been really fun over my last 20 years to better understand that that's not necessarily true. We certainly may be born with certain tendencies, you know, leaning in a direction of skill development, but we really, truly Because of neuroplasticity, because our brain's ability to rewire itself, we really truly can learn to do anything if we're willing to work hard enough to do it. Yeah. And if we're willing to be coached as well. Yeah. Um, So, again, on the recovery side, the clinical aspect of what we do, you know, with expertise from a therapy standpoint, in in place of coaching, maybe very specifically, and uh, the amount of work effort repetition that goes into that. But again, for you and me, sky's the limit. We can learn to do anything again, if we're willing to work
1: hard and to yeah, be coached. So fascinating. So let's, since you brought it up, I'm really interested also in learning more about QLI. You have a great reputation. I know you're world-class, you're award-winning, but really, can you talk more about who you serve here and what you specialize in and even what makes you different? Absolutely.
0: So QLI is a post-hospital rehab and long-term care facility serving individuals who have suffered a traumatic brain injury, a stroke, or a spinal cord injury. Sometimes we'll serve some individuals with other neurological diagnosis, but those that's really the core of what we do. We as a post-hospital facility are working with individuals. They've usually been at the trauma center initially after their injury. Usually they move on to an acute rehab center like Madonna or Emanuel here in town. Craig Hospital in Denver or Shirley Ryan in Chicago, every major city usually has an acute rehab hospital. And then we're the next step after that, especially for folks who have had a pretty severe injury, yeah. and been severely impacted because of the brain trauma or the severity of their stroke or maybe the level of their spinal cord injury. So our job, you know, after they've been served in the acute rehab facility. Uh, They're hopefully to a point of medical stability. They've had a start on their physical recovery and their cognitive recovery and communication. Our job is to continue that process, making sure that they're medically doing as well as they can be, that physically they're able to move and access their environment, even if that includes the use of technology. Cognitively, they're at their highest level of functioning. And emotionally, they're also looking forward. They have hope for their future optimism about what's ahead and and what they can continue to do. Uh, So addressing the emotional recovery side of that and working with the family so we can pull all of that together and get each individual we serve back on a path in life that will be meaningful to them. Again, from a neuroplasticity standpoint, we know that there's so much that's possible and, and we want to use our expertise, the functional setting that we have here. We have about 65 acres here in North Central Omaha, we use our community a lot, especially pre-COVID, and we're inching back into that now yeah. uh, at this time of the pandemic. But but using our expertise, using the technology we have, using our functional settings to to
1: find a way to truly get the individuals we serve back to life. That sounds like such, such rewarding and such important work. And so being a being a marketing person, I of course have been on your website and I I really enjoyed reading your mission statement, which says we deliver life-changing rehabilitation and care, protect dignity, instill purpose, and create hope, commitment to excellence. I'd love to hear more about each one of those things within the mission statement. Yeah, we we live by
0: this mission statement. It, it drives what we do. I'm going to start at the end with that commitment to excellence. We have a group out here that's passionate about learning that they're passionate about the individuals and families we serve. Uh, they're excited about the science of neuroplasticity and the advancements in technology, but they are driven to learn and as a team to be the very best in our industry. And, uh, you know, we make this huge promise to the individuals and the families we serve that we're going to provide the very best rehab and care, life changing rehab and care. Again, yeah. getting individuals past the tragedy they've experienced and back to life. And we take that promise very, very seriously. So our team's competitive. They're they're kind and compassionate, but they're really competitive. And so uh, we may do something really, really well, and we take time to celebrate our victories. But this team's pretty quick to say, okay, victory behind us. Now, how can we get even better moving forward? So, So constantly on that pursuit of excellence. And You know, when it comes to dignity, to purpose, and to creating hope for the individuals we serve, you know, again, we're mindful of the disabilities that our individuals are facing. And hopefully everybody can have a full recovery. That doesn't necessarily happen. And so mindful for our young people who don't want to walk or in front of them or aren't crazy about being in a wheelchair, we really want to make sure that they can re-engage in the community at their work site at school, wherever that's at, with a sense of dignity, engaged in things, again, that are purposeful to them, and ultimately making sure that they understand that if they keep working hard and keep moving. In a positive direction, that long after they leave QLI, they can have hope for their future and keep making
1: progress. Mm-hmm. And so I, I love that mission. And I love how you reference teams so often because I've got to believe your work is a team sport for sure. I mean, how does that mission influence the culture that you have here at QLI and really foster that sense of community? Yeah. You know, we
0: we know that no one individual can carry out this mission and do the best for the individuals and families we serve. Uh, There's so, it's complex. There's so much to it. Every day, uh, we're a facility that's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, right? Serving individuals yeah. and families with really complicated needs, and and we know the only way to make that happen and and to truly uphold that commitment to excellence is if we come together as a team. Collaboration is one of our values, uh, and collaboration's really hard. It's easier to compromise, right? It's easier yeah. for each of us to give up something so that we can move ahead. But our team again knows that we make this big promise. We're committed to excellence, and so. We're going to embrace intellectual conflict, healthy intellectual conflict, not personal conflict, and be willing to challenge each other's ideas and push each other so that we can truly collaborate and come up with the very best goals and vision and plan uh, for everyone that we're serving. So, uh, So with that teamwork in mind and knowing that we have to have intellectual conflict from a culture standpoint, you know, we all have to show up every day with a high level of optimism. The glass is half full, not the glass is half empty for ourselves to do that work, but also so that we're modeling that for the individuals and families we're serving. We operate a really flat system out here. Titles just don't matter a lot. I and mean, if you stayed or stuck around all day long, <laughs> you'd see there are plenty of times that even if I have the CEO title, you know, in so many rooms and situations, it doesn't mean anything. I don't yeah. have the most information or the most knowledge about a situation. And so we we really operate without titles leading us, check your ego at the door, and you know, for me, I started here twenty years ago as a brand new physical therapist, clueless as a clinician, zero leadership skills or even <laughs> no, zero understanding of leadership in general and so to be able to to come in and be embraced by everyone from the c e o through the rest of the team, and my voice mattered, my ideas and opinions mattered. We had a chance to contribute uh as soon as I arrived at q l i it made a big difference from a re-recruiting standpoint. That's why I'm here 20 years later, because I felt like from the day I arrived, I was really given an opportunity to make an impact. And and that's what we try to do for all of our team members. We want to know that no matter what position you're in or how long you've been here, your voice matters, your contribution matters, because we can't carry out that mission if we're not all leaning in and contributing
1: in that way. I love everything you've just said. And I can tell you, I've only been in your building for less than an hour And I can feel all of those things. I can feel camaraderie. I can feel pride in the work. I can feel pride in the organization. And every one of your residents that I have or clients that I have passed seems very happy and just has a great relationship with the people they're working with. And it's interesting how quickly you can feel that. So I compliment you on that. So And it seems it's got to help you because it seems to me like we've been talking about a shortage of healthcare workers for a very long time in this field, in this area, in the whole country. Can you tell me more about your workforce development initiative, the history of it, the purpose, and maybe plans for the future? Absolutely. Well, you know, we
0: recognize uh, being in healthcare and very specifically our niche around brain injury and spinal cord injury rehab, uh, the work is hard. It's physically demanding. It's emotionally demanding. We don't close in the evenings or on the weekends. We're open on holidays. Uh, so so we don't have the luxury that other industries do in a lot of ways from a, a recruiting yeah. talent standpoint. But what we do have is we have purpose. We have a lot of fun out here. It is like you said, when you walked in, I mean, that's it's by design. And, and we all pour our heart and souls into keeping this environment that is an environment we look forward to coming to yeah. on a Monday. I look forward to coming that's back great. to work on Monday. And so- so we do have a lot of things working for us from a recruiting standpoint but but omaha it's a tough community from a from a yeah. labor standpoint and and there's a lot of competition out there as well so of a number of recruiting things that we're doing one of the things i'm definitely most proud of Is the work that we're doing with a couple of organizations. One, the Avenue Scholars Foundation, Mm. and another, uh, the Legacy Program through OPPD. We've been able to partner with those really incredible organizations to start working with individuals who are still in high school or maybe just graduated from high school to give those individuals an opportunity to uh, get their foot in the door from a healthcare standpoint. We provide certified nursing assistant training on site with a few of our amazing team members Melissa, Yuri, Myra, Miriam, just an incredible team who really invests in those young people and not only helps them get their certification and learn the technical skills around being a nursing assistant, but spends a lot of time mentoring and coaching around social emotional skills. Yeah. Again, to be a good team member in healthcare, you have to have compassion for the individuals we serve, you have to be able to think critically. Uh, But emotionally, you really have to be prepared for those challenges. And so so Melissa and Yuri and Myra and Miriam and that team have created a program called Impact that is focused on -on hands-on contextual-based training. Again, they're in our environment, learning the the formal information, but they have a chance to get out and work directly with our clients and work side-by-side with our team members. And through that contextual-based learning, combined with the social-emotional skills training, by the end of the program, we have a spring program, a summer internship program, and then a fall program as well. These students end up being prepared to work in the healthcare industry. We've been lucky that we have a number of those students who will stick around and work at QLI, whether that's full-time or maybe part-time as they're heading towards nursing school or some other program. Some of the individuals go to other healthcare facilities, which is great, too, if we can contribute in that way for our healthcare community uh, we're happy to do that.
1: I love that. Wow. You know, I imagine kids who are in high school who haven't, don't have a family member or a teacher that really knows a lot about this world or neuroplasticity. I'm pretty sure I did not hear that word when I was in high school, but that was a long time ago too. But that's got to be really open their eyes to opportunities that are available. So so good for you for reaching kind of to that level and really helping and supporting people. I did want to ask you, you know, COVID, you mentioned COVID earlier and we've talked a little bit about it. I mean, it's impacted so many people across the globe. How did COVID affect QLI, both for the people you serve, but also for your team? Yeah,
0: absolutely. So given where we're at in the continuum of care, you know, our experience here was a little bit different than the hospitals. We have been, we were locked down pretty much from March of 2020 to March of 2021. was a long time. It was a long time. Yeah. A lot of new regulations that came out from the federal and, and state governments around our level of care again, and making sure that we were keeping COVID out of the facility. And and it had its challenges. You know, our team's working in full PPE a lot of times. It really changed the way that we were providing care and providing rehab because we no longer had access to our community. Uh, we're serving people from across the country. And so finding ways to get people here when flying on a plane wasn't oh, safe. wasn't a thing, right? A COVID yeah. right so, uh, so it presented a lot of challenges for our team. Certainly nobody had it harder than our, our clients and our families though. Yeah. So at a, a time in their life for our clients to have to be separated from our families because that was part of the lockdown that we couldn't have families on campus or in a very limited way, depending on what community infection rates were. And so for our clients to go through rehab, uh, without their family members by their side. We had to become their family. We had to, to help them through that. Certainly it pushed technology for us and being able to use Zoom and FaceTime and make sure that we were keeping families uh, as connected as we possibly could, but, uh, but definitely a challenge for our, our, our clients and their families. You know, from a team standpoint, we have a really strong mindset that with adversity comes opportunity. Mm, I love that and so much. It was a good mantra for us. Sometimes we had to say it out loud frequently <laughs> to, remind <laughs> to remind ourselves yourself, of that. Yes. But you know, at this point in the pandemic and looking back, man, I am I'm so proud of our team for how they engaged and invested in keeping our clients safe and uh, serving our families as well. So proud of our team and. Uh, we were able to keep everybody healthy here, thankfully, which is, which is really cool. Yeah, it's That's, a big deal. Yeah. Compared to what a lot of other facilities at experienced. Right. It's a really big deal. Right. But but so proud of our team, not only for doing that, but for along the way, recognizing the learning opportunities that, that come from that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an opportunity to to gain even more clarity on our strengths and our weaknesses. It was an opportunity to say, wow, now that we have to use technology in a different way, how can this be good for us post-pandemic? Yeah. It was an opportunity also to think ahead right before the pandemic, we were starting to think ahead 30 years and uh, dreaming about where will technology be 30 years from now, which is mind-blowing. Uh-huh. What will budgets for insurance companies and funding sources look, look like? That's mind-blowing yes, as well. Yes. But you know, how do we really dream about a different way of providing rehab and providing care, embracing the need to be even more cost efficient than we already are and embracing technology in a different way. So we had started that dreaming process, you know, literally weeks before COVID hit and the team stuck with it and said, okay, let's, let's use this opportunity to say, okay, maybe we'll accelerate some of that. How can we get there faster? How can we dream even a little bit bigger? And so uh, so our teams really come out on the other side stronger than before, and uh, we're still in the process of finding our new normal. I would say, of course, community infection rates are up again, and yeah. so we're not quite on the other side of this yet. But but our teams our teams doing great, and everybody really leaned in as well as a as a company as an employer. We did everything we could financially with resources to take good care of our team members, especially if they had a significant other that had lost their job oh, or yeah. illnesses at home. And so we did everything we possibly could to take care of our team members. But our team members did a lot to take care of each other, you know, from an emotional mm-hmm. and mental health standpoint. And so it was a good cultural health assessment for I us like better that. than any assessment you could do on paper. It was a good assessment. And and yeah, I just, I feel so proud of our team and and how we went through that and where we're at today.
1: Yeah. Pat, I've heard that from other leaders. I've heard them say, you know, those who were strong culturally had a strong team going into the pandemic, you know, really held it together and maybe even came out the other side stronger and learned and found new things. I mean, you mentioned technology, this podcast was even born out of the pandemic because we hit our 10th anniversary at Kick Glove. And had to kind of dash all the plans for the party and the things we were going to do and said, you know, instead, let's refocus that energy on telling positive stories. And so I'm going to be thankful for that. Right. Because that you and I are having this conversation today. So I do want to ask you another thing about your geographic location. You obviously are very talented, very knowledgeable, could work anywhere in the country. As a fellow leader in this area, I'm just curious, why do you love being in Omaha, Nebraska, and why not somewhere on the coasts or a larger metropolitan area? Great question. I will, I'll speak to that from a QLI
0: standpoint, and then personally as well, QLI was founded in Omaha in the late 80s. We opened our doors in 1990. And the only reason, uh, I think our founding CEO, Dr. Kim Hogeveen, who was the, the visionary behind everything that's here today. Uh, the only reason that we exist today is because we started in this community oh, there were wow. general uh, generous business leaders philanthropic leaders uh, people who were really willing to take a chance on this big idea that that kim had and that uh, a group of parents called parents for quality living who oh, were really again the impetus behind all of this but, but there was a community that was willing to take a chance and and put a lot of support behind it and so with that in mind, 30 years later, we've continued to grow and thrive. And, and when things get hard, we we have an amazing board of directors uh, who's always a phone call away for for help and support. But a lot of other leaders and organizations in the community that are willing to lend a hand as well. From a personal standpoint, you know, I, I think it's similar. I after grad school, I moved away to Phoenix for a couple of years and then came back for for a physical therapy job at QLI. And as much as I had as much fun as I had, you know, in another state, another community, you know, I can say 20 years later, there just is no place like Omaha, a place where personally and professionally, I have the safety and support to grow and to thrive, you know, built my family here, my husband, my eight year old daughter. School systems are great. Um, lots to do around here, which is incredible. But you know, when I took on the CEO role ten years ago, one of the things that I didn't expect but was so important to me, as I was just starting to grow as a leader, uh, was the number of leaders in this community that reached out to me personally to provide support. Mm-hmm. Um, they probably knew I had no idea what I was doing coming into this role. <laughs> I are so like, that. We got to give her that. a hand, but there were there were really. So many leaders who if you need something, let's have coffee, let's have lunch, you know. I'm I'm here to support you. Yeah. And especially a lot of female leaders in particular. Mm. And, you know, I'll definitely never forget that. So yeah, um, Omaha is a special place. Neighbors care about their neighbors, businesses care about other businesses. It's really a very special place.
1: I need to take this sound bite and send it to our friends at the Omaha Chamber of <laughs> <laughs>
0: Commerce.
1: They're gonna love that. But I think a lot of people would would agree it's a great community that that takes care of the organizations, the people, that reaches out, and lends a hand. And I think that that's fabulous. And now you're one of those leaders that's also doing the same thing. So we've talked about you've been here for 20 years. I mean, that's kind of unheard of anymore, right? It's a long time. I'm just curious, in 20 years, how have you seen QLI evolve and change and adapt? And you know, I would say I've been here 20
0: years, but gosh, we have so many leaders and team members who have been here even longer than wow. me, right? Who started yeah. with the company or have yeah. been here 25, 26 years or more. So with our new employees who come in, uh, who are half my age <laughs> or more, <laughs> one of the things that obviously just stands out is how technology has changed yeah. our way of doing business and that's phones, it's computers, obviously, social media, email, all kinds of things. And when we're meeting with our new employees, we'll remind them that 20 years ago, you know, we were using still barely into computers yeah. and not far past the Selectric typewriter, right? We didn't have these <laughs> smartphones in right. our hands everywhere that we went. And and so that has evolved so much in, in really a great way. You know, QLI, when we, when we opened our doors, we, Kim had a vision, the Parents for Quality Living has, had a vision for this to be a very functional community, independent living community. And over that time, we, there's been so much more research about the brain and about yeah. neuroplasticity that it's really, Kim had such a solid vision for our clinical program, Tridimensional Rehab. But as that research has evolved... It's affirmed that it's the right clinical program, but it's also given us a lot more details about how to operate that clinical program and shape it in a way that's most meaningful to our clients and our families. And so that continues to change a little bit the structure of our campus, the tools that we have, how we structure our teams so that we can have contextual-based learning opportunities, have all the repetition that we need all of the support that we need as well. So it's been fun to see our expertise evolve as a clinical facility. I think that's really driven us from being a regional provider to a national t- provider and a little bit of international work Absolutely. as well, because we've been able to stay really on that cutting edge of research and technology as well. Um, and from a culture standpoint, you know, again, Dr. Hogveen had a vision for our culture. He knew that we couldn't do the best for the individuals and families we serve. Our team members couldn't do their best for the individuals and families we serve if as an employer, we weren't doing our best for mm. the team members yeah. that we employ here. And so he had such a strong vision around that and laid a strong foundation through his organization now that does leadership training is called Mindset. So had a really strong foundation around that and we've been able to take those concepts of mindset and and keep making them stronger keep building upon them so so you know that we have every team every supervisor our succession planning processes at every level of the company really set us up to have this incredible Disney World-like culture. Oh, I love
1: day. that. That's um, a big. That's a big statement. Yeah, but it, it's, it's our goal. Great. It's what we yeah. keep in
0: mind. But, but not only to have that every day, but to make sure that we really are on a sustainable path for our future. We yeah. want QLI someday to celebrate 100th anniversary. Yeah, um, I won't be here to see that but <laughs> but but my job and the job of all
1: of our leaders is to make sure that that we stay on that path. Yeah. That's exciting. That's really exciting to think about that. So so I'm just curious then Pat as a leader in the industry as a leader in the community what advice do you have for other leaders who maybe are just starting out and want to make a difference in the world?
0: Oh, gosh, so many pieces of advice. You know, I would remind new leaders that leadership is a skill. Mm. It's it's a set of skills, actually, that you have to learn over time. So with that, failure is going to be part of the process. Coaching is absolutely necessary. And because you're going to make mistakes and developing those skills takes time, you have to give yourself a little grace along the way. I'm a perfectionist. And so coming into this role, you know, I remember my first three years really trying to be perfect and trying to take on so much of it on my own. And I think when I finally gave up on that, that I'm not going to be perfect. I have to do my best every day. I can't do this alone. I really have to have coaches and mentors and and invite my team members in to support my growth as well. Life got a lot easier um, and my growth uh, accelerated as well. So I think I'd say, too, back to what we were talking about earlier around a neuroplasticity framework is that you you really can learn to do anything. And so some of those things you shouldn't be shy about. If you have team members who are better at things than you, let them do some of that. Uh, But sometimes you still have to tackle some of those weaknesses. And, And again, you can learn to do anything if you're willing to put the work in and willing to be
1: coached. That's fantastic. I am a recovering perfectionist myself, Very right? <laughs> and it it does feel weird to say out loud, you know, I'm not trying to be perfect, because I am trying to be really, really, really good. But sometimes being really, really, really good or being at your best is recognizing... Perfection is, is unattainable and it's, it's not even worthy of trying, but being really, really good yeah. is. So Absolutely. I'm so glad. Such good advice. Yeah. Yeah. Pat, I'm also really inspired by motivational quotes. And I ask this question on every podcast because you've already said so many inspiring things, but could you give us a few of your own words of wisdom that we can share? Yeah. I,
0: you know I'm going to steal a couple of quotes. There's a Benjamin Franklin quote that I really, really love. And again, this won't surprise you, uh, but <laughs> follows a neuroplasticity theme. The quotes, tell me and I forget, teach me and I remember, involve me and I learn. Ooh. And again, I think that speaks to, to how we learn and, and develop skills. The other quote comes out of Michelle Obama's book that really stuck with me. And she says in there that failure is a feeling long before it becomes an actual result. Ooh. And from a leadership standpoint and a neuroplasticity standpoint, you know, because we know that all of our team members, no matter where they're at and their skill sets or their emotional fitness when they arrive, all of our team members have capacity to learn and grow. We have to create the right environment, to give them the right resources, but most importantly, We have to believe in them. Mm. And, you know, we all have our own experiences around this. And and I've seen this in the past with our young people. But when someone makes a mistake or they don't come in with all the skill sets they need and we don't believe in them, they haven't failed yet, but we set them on a path for failure by not by not believing them in them and giving them a chance to believe in themselves. So, you know, I guess more advice to other leaders out there, our team members, your team members deserve to have somebody who believes in them and will invest in them. Mm, that is
1: so good, right? Because you can feel it. You can, even if the words aren't spoken, you can feel it when somebody doesn't believe in you. And that just sets the path to a certain Tra- trajectory, right? It, Absolutely. It impacts the wiring, the neuroplasticity, Absolutely. right? Yeah. I'm just going to keep thinking about the words that come out of my mm-hmm. mouth to others and how they're impacting someone's Absolutely. neuroplasticity. So Pat, this is all so good for listeners who would like to learn more about QLI, your work, maybe learn about job openings. How can they find out more? Absolutely. So teamqli.com is the
0: website i encourage everybody to go to. There are so many amazing stories about our clients, Mm. our team members, partnerships that we have in the community on there. So I'd encourage people to reach out and and spend a little time being inspired. You can also access uh, career opportunities at teamqli.com as well. If you'd like to come out for a tour, we're starting to do some limited tours again. Um, that might change a little bit with the pandemic here. But if you want to just come to campus to learn more, we love having guests on campus as well. There's also an events page. We just had our golf tournament on Monday oh, of this week. The weather was beautiful. So it was So fun great to day. have
1: events again. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: And so many terrific partners involved. 2022, uh, September of 2022, we should be on track for uh, QLI signature event and evening at the fair. We had to cancel it last year, but we have the most incredible honorary chairs and event chairs who are sticking with us and going to make that event happen next year. So. Uh so yeah, teamqli.com for information
1: about our events as well. Very good. I there are amazing stories in in my research to prepare for today, amazing stories and the campus is lovely. I would recommend visit to the website and visit to the campus. So, thank you. So Pat, as we wrap up our time together today, what is the most important thing you would like our listeners to remember about the work that you are doing? You know, we we really truly are doing
0: life-changing work out here and we are so proud to be part of this community and, and part of the state of Nebraska. And I hope that our listeners, if if they don't know about QLI now, they come out and visit. But for our listeners who do know about QLI, that they feel proud to have QLI mm-hmm. in the community, a resource that really doesn't exist anywhere else in the world. So as proud as we are to be part of Omaha and part of Nebraska,
1: we want Omaha and Nebraska to be proud of us as well. I'm proud of you. So thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for letting me come in and talk with you today. I'm going to say this. I really believe the world needs more people like you, more places like QLI. So just thank you for taking time to share with us today.
0: Well, thank you, Lynn. It was such a pleasure to have the time. I um, look forward to the future podcasts that you do with so many other leaders as well. So thank you. Uh, thank you for that. We hope you enjoyed today's Agency for Change podcast. To hear all our interviews with those who are making a positive change in our communities, or to nominate a changemaker you'd love to hear from, visit kidglove.com at kidglo to get in touch. As always, if you like what you've heard today, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share.